Welcome to SolkanaCast, two broads talking broadly about health, the physical, the emotional, the nitty-gritty, and the fun. Real thoughts on real health. The information provided within this podcast is not designed to and does not provide medical advice, professional diagnosis, opinion, treatment, or services to you or any other individual and is intended for general information for educational purposes only. Welcome to SoconaCast episode 45, Adrenals. And the Adrenals. Double Adrenals. <laughs> Hope you like that voice grind. <laughs> I'm one of your hosts, Hannah Whitevin, owner of Sulcana Fitness and Wellness. And I'm Lucia Holly, nutritional therapy practitioner, running my practice out of Sulcana Wellness, and owner of EssentialOmnivore.com. Here we are. Here we are. We're in a dark little room on a rainy little Thursday. Oh, I know. And you know what? Normally what? on a rainy Thursday, I feel so tired, but I don't feel tired because I'm not drinking coffee anymore. There you go. It's a 6-6 six, six cycle, and you got all that cycle because you wanted to. Yay. Wow. Yay. <laughs> if you've never listened to episode 1 through 40, <laughs> I mentioned coffee at least four times in every episode. Yep. I'm still mentioning coffee, but just for different reasons. Yeah. Because I don't drink it no more. I'm also off of coffee. One week. No baby. surprise. How's it feeling? Amazing. I know. It's so dumb how good it feels. And <sighs> you know what? I say it to people because I'm like, look, I'm on the other side. And they're like, I could never. I'm like, I was like you once. It's, very, it's a very divisive subject. Yeah. yeah. And I haven't had any caffeine at all. I mean, probably 10 milligrams a day mm-hmm. of caffeine at the most. Mm-hmm. So, right. I haven't been subbing it out with other caffeinated teas or anything like that. Nice. Also helpful, the coffee itself and the caffeine. Yeah, it's been feeling good for me. I um, cut it out. I wasn't, I was like, wasn't having a ton of it. I was before. I was having way too much coffee and cold press before. Oh, cold press will kill you. Yeah. and then It's I amazing. Went, yeah, <laughs> it tastes I, so good. I went down. I actually wasn't able to drink coffee for a long time because it would immediately make me really panicky. Worked on that, figured out it was some liver burden stuff, and then was like, I can bring coffee back in. Yay. Yay. And it was really helpful while I was cutting some other stuff out. And then I was like, okay, now's the time. Time to take out the coffee because it's halting some healing. And what's my ultimate goal? Healing. Healing. So I took it out and immediately have seen a lot of um, many good effects. That's great. Yeah. That's good to hear. Yeah. What else has been going on? <laughs> um, not too much. My boyfriend came out to visit for like less than 48 hours, which was great and horrible. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> so, not a long enough time. No, it's really not. But it was good to see him. And we'll see him again someday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, what's been going on with you? Well, you know, just still eating clean as a whistle. Yeah, eating a lot of good fats. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. I've been eating a lot of coconut manna, which I don't know... <laughs> It, that was not something that was like really a part of my life before doing all this, but right now it's like the it's like my treat. It's like a nut butter with no nuts. <laughs> so when you're it's not doing many nuts, yeah, it's just butter. It's so good. Yeah. It tastes like I don't know. It's just so good. It tastes you, like candy to me. Do you know that you can toast it? What if, do you mean? How? If you heat it up gently in a saute pan. It starts to get just like you can toast coconut flakes, you can toast the coconut mana, and then it gets like caramely. Put a little sea salt on top of that, some spoonfuls of. Won't it melt the coconut mana? Yeah. Well, it, yeah, I like it melted. And then what do you do with it? And then you eat spoonfuls of it. Oh, snap. <laughs> wow, I never even considered that. Try it. Well, clearly I'm going to try that tonight. You've got to. Because I get home so late, I have the longest day. Mm hmm. 
I got an eight to eight day. Oof. I know. No thanks. So I really need to give myself a treat. I was going to make some um, coconut yogurt. There you, you go. Do you ever make yogurt? I do. And I've okay, made coconut yogurt. Let me ask you. Did yeah. you use a yogurt starter? Um, I've done it a couple different ways. Once I used a yogurt starter, I thought it was too expensive. Um, so I didn't like using it again. You can also just use a probiotic. Open that up. Inoculate the coconut cream with it. And then that'll inoculate. Um, We'll make the yogurt. I have also used a little bit of dairy yogurt because I don't have a strong reaction to dairy, so I can have a little bit in a coconut yogurt. Okay, because that's what I was thinking. Is I bought a yogurt starter. Yeah. That is powdered. Yep. And it's got, but it's got skim milk powder. That must just be how they they just must have dried some other yogurt or something. Yes. Yep. And then I also bought a jar of coconut yogurt because mm-hmm. I was like, should I use this as a starter? You could. But then I couldn't figure out how much to use. Yeah. You can just eyeball it. Okay, so I might try the yogurt starter, even though it has like a tiny amount of skim milk, but it's going to be so yeah. mixed in. I won't even notice it. Yep. So I'm going to try to make that tonight in my new Instant Pot. Ooh, Hannah upgraded, leveled up. Uh, my life is amazing now with my Instant Pot. So <laughs> Instant food for those long 12-hour days. Yeah, so I've made so many things. I made some pressure cooker short ribs in 30 minutes last Dang. night. I made... I made really good coconut lemongrass chicken in 15 minutes in my Instant Pot. Nutty. Just nutty. It's nutty. crazy. And so I'm going to make um, that yogurt tonight. And you just have to put it on yogurt. You just press yogurt. Yeah, you have the kind. There are different types of Instant Pots, but a lot of them now have that yogurt function. It's like, what? It's just warming. It's just a, a very low. Low warming heat. overnight. Yeah. 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 So that'll take like eight hours, but yeah. still. Easy. I'm super excited for Eight that. hours where you're not doing anything. Yeah, and then I'm actually bringing my Instant Pot to my mom's house this weekend because I'm going to make uh, curried lamb. hey mm-hmm. So fancy. You know, my brother's going and my mom's going to be there. Mm. So I was like, I'll cook so that we eat stuff I can eat. Nice. And my brother's also like gluten-free and dairy-free. So Sweet. That's awesome. Yeah. I the whole it. fam pretty much <laughs> now is. Good. That's uh, what I would hope for. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Not all fans are like that. Yep. I got my hands on a free grill, just like a super old. It's like at least 40 years old. I'm actually, I got it from my dad because he found it on the street when I was like 12. I was walking with him. And he's like, there's a free grill. Got it. And now he's getting rid of it. I took it. So I grilled for the first time last weekend. Oh, so good. Oh, God. It was so fun. May I recommend slicing zucchini in half, salt, pepper. Yeah. And... For for those who dare, garlic salt. Ooh. And you just slap that baby right on the grill, just directly onto the grill, and it crisps up the outside. Ah. Um, and it's insanely good. Zucchini steaks. Yeah. Zucchini planks. Yeah. I mean, I ate like <laughs> 10 of them, so you need to have a lot yeah. ready to All go. your zooks on hand. But yeah, we made, the, we made burgers and Yum. used guac and sauerkraut. Ooh. And then zooks ate just the other day. Love so it. good. Love it. So good. All this is very relaxing to talk about food, I know. which is nice considering our subject. Adrenaline. Made by our adrenal gland. <laughs> so I'll go first. I'll talk a little bit about what the adrenal gland is, yeah. what it does, and adrenal hyperfunction, and then adrenal hypofunction. We should really introduce the subject of adrenaline with a little more gusto, though. No. We need to have adrenaline. Ah! So Taj, cue the like electric guitar music. Ready? Adrenaline! (laughs) Um, 
great. Okay, so do you, Hannah, do you know where our adrenal glands are? We have two of them. I think like in your neck. <laughs> so we do have by your thyroid. We yeah. So we do have one gland that is in our neck. Well, a main gland that's in our neck is going to be our thyroid. It's butterfly shaped in the front of our neck. Um, but no. Okay, maybe not- down by your by your maybe it's down kind of by your butt. Yeah, it is. Okay. So our adrenal glands, each <laughs> adrenal gland pretty much sits on top of each of our kidneys. Hey. Yeah. So our that's kidneys right. are going to be. Um, on our backside near our like the our lower back okay so each adrenal gland one is kind of rounder shaped one is shaped a little bit more like a pyramid so they're a little bit different Cute. they're very small they're like the size i don't know of like your thumb to the first knuckle or even smaller oh, like yeah, your thumbnail small. yeah very small um so our adrenal glands are going to be part of the endocrine system they create hormones and they're in charge of some stress hormones mm-hmm. what are some of the stress hormones do you think Oh, a cortisol? Yeah. Um, the one that, how about the one that sounds just like adrenal? Oh, oh adrenaline. adrenaline. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I wasn't sure where yeah. you were going with that. No, no, it's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so cortisol, adrenaline, and then noradrenaline. Yep. Um, those are going to be some of the I was going to talk about that. Hey, We're going to talk about noradrenaline all day. <laughs> Weird. Um, I bet I- you guys don't even know that that's another thing, do yeah. you? So one thing to be aware of, so those are three of our kind of main stress hormones, the three that you'd really have to be pretty aware of. Um, but adrenaline and noradrenaline also go by the names um, epinephrine and norepinephrine. Okay. You may have heard of that. Yeah. From so, your EpiPen. Yes, exactly. So if you hear those, just know that they're being used um, interchangeably with adrenaline, noradrenaline, epinephrine, norepinephrine. Okay. Great. Done. Just kidding. <laughs> so what do they do? What do you think the adrenal glands do right off the bat? Well, Gets you going. Gets you going. It get they literally wake you up in the morning. They release hormones that are stress hormones that help our bodies react. Okay, but they also have some other functions. So they help to regulate blood sugar and inflammation via those stress hormones. Okay, so the adrenaline, the noradrenaline, um, the cortisol. They create mineral corticoids, which help regulate electrolyte balance and blood pressure. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're kind of leveling up again. They're not just the stress hormones, but really, if you think about it, blood pressure is going to be related to stress. We think about that pretty often. Um, they help assist in the production of sex hormones by creating androgens, which are going to be some of the primary building blocks of usable sex hormones that are then created in the sex hormone, um, the sex organs. Okay, awesome. And they also assist in regulating our metabolism. Hey. Funny, Funny. We talked about that last week. Funny, funny, funny. So they help regulate metabolism and can assist in suppressing our immune system if need be. So they're doing a whole lot for being two teeny tiny thumbnail sized glands. They sure are. Yeah. And they especially do a whole lot in the American lifestyle. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, Hannah, it's like you've taken my classes or something. <laughs> so what I talk about a lot, I focus a whole lot on adrenal glands in the Central U 101, but also in the Central U 201, because they're going to be a main component of whether our body is in its parasympathetic rest and digest mode, or if it's having to go into the sympathetic fight, flight, or fright, uh, fright, fight, flight, or freeze, or fright, really, yeah. mode, which is that sympathetic mode. So 
they're the drivers of what gets us into the sympathetic because if we're sending out those stress hormones then that is going to be what makes our heart pump faster. That's going to get blood going into our muscles. That's going to help us get away from some sort of a danger, the reason that we're becoming stressed out. What is problematic that you've all probably have heard me talk about before is that that sympathetic mode was only intended to be... a short period of time. For a short period of time and for an acute stressor. Like to actually run from a lion. Yes. And what would happen? Either you would run away from the lion and you would no longer be in danger and then you could relax or the lion would kill you and And then you'd you'd be be dead. dead. You'd be eaten. You wouldn't be in this constant and chronic state of being super stressed out. So what's happening in our American culture is that now we have long work days. We're running on fumes often because of our diet culture saying no one should be eating. And if you're eating, God forbid, you're eating nutrient-dense food that you prepared at home. No one is sleeping. No, no one is sleeping. No one is sleeping. You need a t-shirt that says that. I do. I need a baseball cap. Or a coffee mug. That would be ironic. That you drink herbal tea from. Oh, God. Drink water from it. Yeah. Water from a mug. (laughs) No one is sleeping. Um, Right. No one is incorporating these practices that were just part of life, part of what our We've evolved to use. We've evolved to have plenty of sleep. We've evolved to basically be in a parasympathetic rest and digest mode for most of the day. Right. So with all of this, we've evolved to not really have to use our adrenals or rely on them too, too much. But now what's happening is that we are relying on them a lot. All the time. And if you can imagine, if we're undernourishing ourselves, if we're not sleeping, we're not getting recuperation, and we're always having blood sugar spikes that are high and low and high and low, we're stressing our bodies in these multiple ways, our adrenals are going to do their darndest for as long as they can. And often people uh, rally. They can burn the candle at both ends. They Mm -hmm. can do it. They often feel a lot of pride from that, Mm -hmm. right? That's a big American dream is do more, be more. Fry your adrenals. Fry your adrenals. So you can have some adrenal hyperfunction where they are shooting out all those stress hormones to keep you going. But what will happen most times is that if that happens for too long, then those adrenals are going to get worn out because they're not being nourished and they're never catching a break when they're supposed to be on break they're most trying of the to time. rest like we're trying to rest they right. have to recover so that hyperfunction can then turn into hypofunction mm-hmm. and that is when people are experiencing what they can be calling adrenal fatigue which is a buzzword yes it is someone might not be in adrenal fatigue um clinicians do not always love the idea of adrenal fatigue they can think it's a little woo woo but and some can- people think it's totally fake right mm-hmm. But it can make a lot of sense. Yeah. And that's okay. So there are going to be some true medical diseases of the adrenal glands. I don't think that adrenal fatigue fits into that. So I wanted to mention those true medical diseases. One would be something like Cushing's disease, which is a production of too much cortisol. Another would be Addison's disease, which is a lack of production of mineral corticoids from an autoimmune attack on the glands or possibly medication use okay Okay. so those are some true issues that can be going on with our adrenals but all that to say i still think that adrenal fatigue is a true issue because it's extremely affecting quality of life yeah and people can 
there's going to be a spectrum of the different signs and symptoms of it depending on the person but it can have a huge impact and on your ability to do what you want to do with your life yeah so that's I a mean, problem basically you end up with a limited arousal yeah in all things yeah so and you'll definitely talk about that with yeah working out and what that looks like yes um so right so when the stress is becoming chronic the adrenals are producing cortisol all day long that prolonged cortisol output can then shut off things like the immune system our digestive system detoxification processes regeneration and sleep cycles because those are all functions that happen in that parasympathetic state so if we're never parasympathetic that stuff isn't really going to be happening right that's the state where we have that high cortisol output that's called hyperadrenal function. Um, and it's that first step of the more well-known adrenal fatigue. So what would you think some of those symptoms of high cortisol and hyperadrenal function would be? Uh, high cortisol, I would say one symptom would be abdominal belly fat. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like maybe a sudden increase or impossible to get rid of belly fat. Mm-hmm. Um, the kind where you're eating no food and working out all the right, time. But you're still feeling very, very, like, there's just extra fat right over your belly button yep. area. One place you don't want it. The one that, yeah, and the one, <laughs> you read the articles that's like, here's one trick to lose that belly fat. The one trick is, like, go to sleep and relax. <laughs> anyway. I'm not going to uh, do it. Other things would be uh, fatigue, mm-hmm. lots of fatigue, mm-hmm. hard time waking up, and hard time going to sleep. Like yep. feeling feeling anxious and up at night instead yeah. of in the morning. So feeling wired and tired. Yeah. Like you almost kind of wake up in the evening. Like you're yeah. tired throughout the you whole day. You get your day. second win at 10 p.m. Yep. You or your quote unquote second win. It's actually your first win of the day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Struggling to fall asleep and feeling groggy in the morning. Anxiety. Just yep. in general anxiety. Chronic anxiety. Maybe even de- uh, increased depression. Mm-hmm. Um, Could have an Lack of focus. Yeah. You could have an increase in chronic infections, too. So mm. feeling like you aren't healing. Like you're always getting um, different immune attacks as I well. I can imagine you'd have also have a hard time, um, like, excreting problematic things from your body if your kidneys are overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Yep. Detoxification processes can yep. be lower. Mm-hmm. Um, and people can often just look physically agitated. So it might be someone who's, like, shaking their leg a lot or making a lot of nervous gestures. Because they're wired. They've got that yeah. cortisol. Something is pumping in them. and they All don't, the time. Yeah, because their body is on edge and ready to go. But it's because of these stressors that are chronic and not acute. So they're not getting a break. They might have mood swings. They totes. might snap at you. Totes. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. For sure. Definitely going to happen. So if that can be happening long enough, the next step would be that um, hypo function. So under functioning, a.k.a. that adrenal fatigue. Signs and symptoms of adrenal fatigue could be things like more like mild to moderate depression. Um, Different food allergies could be coming up, right, because of that basis of lowered immune function, GI stress, Um, inability to be digesting fully because we're in that sympathetic state from that hyper function before. Lethargy, less ability to handle stress. So just feeling like instead of being able to like, uh, you know, rile yourself up and get through a stressful day, you can't even imagine handling that yeah. the idea of that is so overwhelming to you would that person also maybe have low appetite yep sure or an or excessive appetite. appetite yeah some sort of appetite dysregulation mm-hmm. dry and thin skin Ooh, yikes mm-hmm. low blood sugar bags under the eyes yeah low body temperature mm-hmm. so your body's just like i can't do yeah. i don't want to do things inability to do things you used to be able to do yeah yep, yep. 
Um, which can be frustrating if someone has been functioning from a hyper perspective for a long time. That can start to that's feel a like, big crash. That well, and it can start to feel like their norm. So then, when they have that big crash, a lot of people feel a ton of guilt and very overwhelmed because they were the person that could, you know, do all the things, mm-hmm. and they put a lot of pride on it because our culture puts a lot of pride on that. And so, to be able to crash from all that and all of a sudden feel like you're physically incapable of doing all the things. Whew, no wonder someone would feel depressed yes, and completely absolutely, overwhelmed. Absolutely. Because now that's what you've been putting all your pride on. Especially when maybe in combined with um, other, you know, depression from a chemical source in your brain, mm-hmm. now you kind of have a double whammy mm-hmm. of depression on depression. Totally. So a lot can be going on and it's a lot of stuff that isn't so fun. Uh, what is a primary thing that we could do to help keep our adrenals in check you might think stress and yes that's going to be huge but i want people to focus on a physical stressor which is going to be blood sugar regulation okay okay because if our blood sugar is always spiking high and then dropping low when that blood sugar drop low drops low consistently our adrenals come into play they push out stress hormones to Mm -hmm. help bring that blood sugar back up that's not they're going to they're going to help out their good little buddies right. but that's not what they should be doing day in day out. So if someone is feeling like they're just not feeling great, first step is to be regulating blood sugar levels, getting more even throughout the day so that immediately the adrenal glands can start to catch a break. Even if they're having to push through the rest of their long hectic days, they're still not sleeping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to you have to yeah, focus yeah, yeah, you have yeah. to focus on all that really soon. But first big step is taking out those blood sugar highs and lows. Mm-hmm. So getting off of that roller coaster. Okay. Yeah. So that maybe you can, your body will feel naturally like it wants to go to bed at the mm-hmm. right time. Then you can increase your sleep and slowly chip away. Yes. So in addition to the blood sugar re-regulation or just primary regulation, um, I think that there's some other S's that help when you're considering supporting and nourishing your adrenals. Other S's? S's. Yes. So sugar is one S. Okay, okay, here we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, I, what are we saying? <laughs> S's, got it. Sugars. You know, sugars is going to be number one. Yep. Sleep. Number, but let's really call it number one. It is. As well. These are all number one. Yeah. Stress. Also number one. <laughs> Social. Okay. Okay. So if you're feeling completely isolated, if you're go, 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 and all your pride is on your work and you don't have the balance throughout the rest of your week. You don't have people that you feel like are supporting you or a network, a community. That's going to be pretty stressful because yeah. humans are fairly communal things. Pretty social. Yeah. So looking at what is my social network? What are my relationships? Okay. Mm-hmm. Am I actually introverted or am I feeling so hyper fatigued that mm-hmm. I don't feel the energy to fulfill my, my need to meet people and right. to be with people? Right. And then the last one is soothe, which um, I include that to mean maybe there are different herbal or nutrient kind of targeted supports that help soothe those adrenals specifically um adrenal adaptogens are going to be a biggie so adaptogen is a type of herb that helps it's almost like a thermostat to help regulate i have a bunch of them at home yeah a lot of us could probably have a bunch of them at home not everyone should be taking them they're contraindications so you know do your due diligence 
But what they tend to do is that they can help both from the hyper end of things and the hypo end of things. So whether you have too much adrenal function or you that has come and gone and now you're burnt out and you have hypoadrenal function, these herbs, things like ashwagandha, rhodiola, um, or rhodiola, excuse me, can help bring those adrenals back up to a, a middle ground. And of hey, normalcy. it's summer. You can grow them yourself. Ooh, yeah. I'm working on it. Wild ashwagandha. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you have to order the seeds online. Oh, totally. But, yeah. you know, worth it. Totally worth it. Totally. Um, so those would be my big things to consider. First and foremost, blood sugar regulation. But really, blood sugar regulation. And then figure out your lifestyle. Because that's what's going on. It's your work schedule. It's your sleep schedule. There's probably a social schedule. There might be yep. some emotional maybe spiritual stressors that are going on, maybe historic, maybe trauma. It takes, a, you know, our adrenals are here to help us and help us get through stress. But all these different things can impact stress. And while it can seem overwhelming, especially if you're in that hypo phase, you're like, I can't even handle blinking. It's okay to start to chip away at them. Mm-hmm. And I would say if you are in that hypo phase, first one would be to regulate blood sugar levels. And I think a lot of other pieces can start to fall into place from there. Okay. Awesome. So that's my challenge for people is fix your stuff. Fix your stuff. <laughs> start with blood sugar levels. If you don't know what to do, sign up for the Central You 101 <laughs> or talk uh, to someone yeah. who has or me. Oh, uh, yeah. So I want to talk about adrenaline in terms of the athlete. Thinking of it like a tool that you can use and potentially abuse. Perfect. Um, so now that you know all those other things, first of all, if you're coming in and trying to perform as an athlete when you are in adrenal fatigue or having problems when you're hyper adrenal or hypo you're going to have issues dealing with your athleticism you just are your body is not going to function the way you want to but let's just say uh let's just think for a second about that moment that you're like gearing up for the big match or you're standing on the platform about to lift or you're waiting on the start mat and the and it's counting the clock is counting down from three two one and your heart is beating out your chest and you feel like you're having a hard time maintaining your breath what is happening to you when you're doing that so first we know the adrenals are producing adrenaline and noradrenaline but and we know that that triggers the fight or fight response but what's actually happening in your system uh first of all that reaction from that adrenaline pump will cause your air passages to dilate Mm. To help provide your muscles with more increased oxygen there you go. that they need to function in fl- a flight mode, in danger. Um, adrenaline also triggers your blood vessels to contract and redirect blood towards your major muscle groups, including heart, lungs. So that's why a lot of times you might get when you're really, for me this happens when I'm really feeling my adrenaline is high, you might feel like your fingers and toes start to get tingly or numb <laughs> mm-hmm. because your blood is being redirected to your most vital organs. Or someone might get um, pale in the face. Yeah. Um, if it gets really bad, they can get blue in the lips. <laughs> That's where it starts to get problematic. Yeah. But um, it's also why – well, I'll, I'll get to this in just a second. But so that might be one reason you feel like you have a harder time actually using your hands and feet when you're – hyper when you're really adrenaline pumped um also adrenaline will decrease the the body's ability to feel pain which is important because if you are 
a person running from something and you were just knocked down like maybe in a real life situation you get attacked on the street and somebody stabs you or kicks you or hits you with something Mm -hmm. and you're technically injured but the adrenaline in your body can mask that feeling of pain and injury so that you can get out of that situation even something as simple as spraining your ankle. Right. I you mine. might not notice. Oh, my God. I sprained mine for the first time a couple years ago, and I was, like, walking out of a, a friend's house back to my house. So it was just, like, down the block. I just thought my foot was numb, so I didn't know what was going on. But I just thought it was – I just, like, stepped on my foot funny. And it wasn't until I had, like, 50 paces back to my house that I was like, mm, nope, pain. Yeah. Pain. And you can think of a ton of examples in professional sports – Um, Olympic sports, uh, even just on a smaller level but at competition where people get injured during competition, don't even notice or are able to still perform on a high level or they come in with an injury but are able to perform through that injury. Right. Um, And that is in part thanks to adrenaline. It also causes a noticeable increase in strength and performance as well as heightened awareness in stressful times. Useful. Yes, very useful. So... It can help you have hyper-awareness and focus on, on the thing that you're, um, that you're looking at. But it can also cause you to have less accuracy, less precision, less control. So that's something to be considering mm-hmm. when you're really thinking about adrenaline for the athlete. So then we already mentioned noradrenaline or norepinephrine and versus regular adrenaline. So um, noradrenaline, when you have this reaction when that clock counts down from three, two, one. Noradrenaline is secretion happens because of the physiological response. So the the actual work that you're attempting to do will increase your norine, your noradrenaline release versus adrenaline, which will be released more on psychological or emotional response. So if you're just going for a hard run, you are going to be pumping out some noradrenaline and you can increase the amount of adrenaline by putting pressure on that run, mm-hmm. by running from Puma, for example. <laughs> so even at your fastest on your own, you might find that under an emotional or, or psychologically stressful inf- situation, you have actual increased adrenaline uh, output. So, yeah, and then... Um, Noradrenaline really is to make your brain and body function like prime, you know, in the most primal way, function mm. uh, how they need to. So that tends to go down during sleep. It rises when you wake and reaches high levels during situations of stress or danger, and then tends to go again low as you fall, as you start to get tired, which is important. And that's actually something that people can track. There's different testing, like saliva tests, to be tracking um, the release of different stress hormones throughout the day. So someone can be tracking for 24 hours and notice if their cortisol or, you know, just any other stress hormone peaks um, are different than what you just described. So we want them bigger earlier on in the day, and then they decline throughout the day. Well, if someone is experiencing that tired and wired, or they wake up, they get their quote-unquote, not real, but their second wind towards the end of the day, their peak is going to be a little bit different. Their right. graph is going to look different. So in, additional, in addition to all of that, in your brain, noradrenaline will increase your arousal and alertness. It will promote vigilance enhance the formation and retrieval of memory uh, and focuses your attention, but it also increases your restlessness and anxiety, Mm. which is why we don't want it to be high at night. (laughs) 
Um, and then in the rest of your body, it'll noradrenaline will increase your heart rate and blood pressure, trigger the release of glucose from energy stores, increase blood flow to the skeletal muscle, reduce blood flow to the gastrointestinal system, and inhibits voiding of the bladder. So <laughs> basically, you're not going to pee or poop when you are feeling this adrenaline rush, which is funny because when you're nervous, like for me, like right before I go out on to the platform, I'm like, I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> but then the pants. second I step on the platform, that's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, so your body will protect you from that. So all sorts of changes will take place. And that's those changes can be very, very important for the athlete. To know how to channel those is a whole nother thing. Mm. That's a whole nother issue. So uh, first of all, the, when you're... When you're thinking about, like, adrenaline, I think a lot of people think about times when, like, superhuman strength can occur. Yeah. And a mom like a, lifts the car yeah, off Yeah, a mom lifts the car off her baby. Or there's amazing feats of strength that, like, a layperson has under duress, under yeah. extreme duress. You shouldn't rely on that for athletics. <laughs> First of all, because you're tra you tend to train under some level of adrenaline, so your likelihood of becoming a super athlete underneath adrenaline is pretty low. Mm. Like you will, you could definitely be the best version of yourself, but you're not going to increase your capability by a dramatic amount when you actually get into competition. So if you're thinking, oh, well, adrenaline will take care of me then. No, that's not exactly mm -hmm. how it works. Um, the movies might make you think otherwise, yeah. but that's not exactly how it works. Although there definitely are documented or at least anecdotal cases of people having extreme adrenaline pump reactions in vital in situations where it's vital to stay alive. Uh, so here are some things to consider for athletes when you're thinking about your adrenaline. First thing, they have to be managed really wisely. I feel like I harp on this all the time to athletes that are competitive. Yeah that are interested in being competitive, but maintaining control of your adrenaline output when you're training will help you have a better adrenaline output when you are competing. Because like we talked about, if you're constantly burdening your body with adrenaline, you won't be able to access that adrenaline when you need to. Mm -hmm. It's not gonna come to you. It's like, you, you need to be able to manage how it feels to have adrenaline surging through your system so that you can actually utilize it when it does come. So for day-to-day -day workouts, you should not feel a major spike in your adrenaline. Of course, we already talked about how noradrenaline will just kick into place this the moment you start moving, but you can manage your emotional and psychological response so that you're not flooding your body and freaking out every time you lift or every time you work out. So if you're going into a workout that has like 50 wall balls and a mile run and that freaks you out a little bit, take a moment mm -hmm. to calm your body before you start, in the beginning of the workout, go a little slower than you would anticipate so you don't fill your body with adrenaline and then burn out too quickly into the workout. And keep your breath control. That's really important. Mm. The more you feel like you're losing breath, the more adrenaline that's going to surge into your body to help you add oxygen to your muscles. And also because your body thinks you're, you're dying or you need help. Right. So control your breath. Control your mind. <laughs> and start slower than you think when you're in training. Then when you when you are training for a bigger meet or a bigger event, take some opportunities to actually purposefully build in 
adrenaline mo- moments. Like we talked about this before. We did. What I can't remember what episode that was. Uh, Someone knows. It might have been um, um, overload potentially. I tell me if this is what you're thinking about, but I think you gave me an assignment to you know if you're prepping for a competition or something. To oh yeah, start to get to out work of your out, comfort get zone. Get out of your comfort zone. So go to a different class. Time. Yes. Yeah. So yes, the, all, those things are going to help you increase your adrenaline output, and that's important to do to to sample before you go into your first competition or even just in an upcoming competition. And you'll see that when uh, coaches like let's say you have a rowing coach, um, and if they put together a strategy building up to a big event, they're going to have some lots of training time where there's very little pressure built in, and then they're going to have some time trials where suddenly there's pressure built in, but as they're leading up to that big event. That is important to put in, um, but it's it's also important that you don't do that every day. Yeah. Or you're going to feel like it's hard for you to actually get it going when that time comes. Mm-hmm. Um. Also, so for some people who never compete, there is value, high value in creating like a f- an atmosphere sometimes where the adrenaline will be increased. Like if you're going to do a back squat testing day or you're going to have some big event happening, even if someone's not training for a competition, it, there's value for each person as an athlete to work under high duress. Mm-hmm. So your body's going to be adapting to that new stressor. Perfect. If it's new and it's novel <laughs> to your body, then your body will adapt to that stressor yeah. and become, you know, more adapted in the future. So things that can help for that are um, like increased pressure on the moment. So the idea of like a one rep max, for example, is for some people enough increased pressure. Or it can help with the coach or another athlete says, what are you going for? What are you shooting for? <laughs> like, you got to get it. You can do it. Just that group support and, and verbal feedback actually helps increase your adrenaline output. If someone says to you, you got this, you have to do it, it's time, you, that actually increases your adrenaline Yeah. because it's that emotional piece, yep. that psychological piece. Um, so that can be very beneficial to have built into your programming, not every day. Mm-hmm. So, and then there's this other thing that's like a – there's a, a graph that's like it's the most simplistic look, looking graph <laughs> but basically it's rest and then optimal and then panic uh-huh. so the amount of adrenaline in your body can you can go from rest to panic pretty quickly and there's that middle point where it becomes really optimal to have some adrenaline but not too much adrenaline um i think it's important if you're a competitive athlete to know what your panic point feels like to Good. know that's just really what got idea. you there you yep. know what got you to that panic point and what do you need to do to pull yourself back so it might take some some experimentation to figure that out. Uh, and the other thing I would say for the athlete is to be mindful of is that if you're training pretty late at night, mm-hmm. you're going to have some issues with higher anxiety after you are working out because your adrenaline can last for like an hour or more after you work out. Right. Um, so consider training in the morning if you're having problems sleeping at night, or you may have to consider moving your bedtime a little bit later and then waking up later so that you can actually maintain so you're not trying to go to bed with high anxiety or high stress because you need sleep (sighs) you gotta sleep you gotta sleep so if you move your bedtime later you gotta sleep in (laughs) so or you could just work out in the morning which is why a lot of people like to do that because it really picks you up it does 
And and it makes sense with that kind of circadian rhythm of when those stress hormones are naturally coming out, mm-hmm. right? If we want them to be highest in the morning, well, and we're we're incorporating an exercise, a literal exercise mm-hmm. in this case, of something that promotes that. Great. Yeah. It's very adaptive. And that could be a very helpful way to help also re-regulate your adrenaline is to move your workouts to the morning so that you are producing that reaction at the time when it's appropriate. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of the day you're thinking about all the other things we talked about, reducing stress, increasing sleep, um, regulating your blood sugar, and just you know, be, having, li- living a soothing lifestyle. Winding down Winding the down. rest of the day. Yes. So uh, that that's something to consider when you're training. And it's also important to consider that you may, if you're somebody who works out twice a day, uh, you're you're going to see a difference in performance depending on the time of day because that natural noradrenaline output is going to be higher in the morning. So in the evening or afternoon when you're going into the workout, you might have a harder time getting that going um, later on in the day. So if you're an athlete, consider how important it is to actually manage your day-to-day so that you're not, you shouldn't feel like every workout is like, go hard or die. <laughs> Please <laughs> There's don't. probably a t-shirt that says that. All right, the coffee mug. Uh, but not every workout should be to that level because it'll burn you out and also it'll make you very ineffective as an athlete. Yeah. And if you constantly go to that place, you'll enter panic every workout and you'll never feel successful. You'll burn out by round two or minute five. And I can imagine that by the time you get to a competition, if you feel like you've burnt out your adrenals and you're there and your body, you're almost essentially waiting for that adrenaline response, but it's not there, that can be so frustrating because that's a big part of that very athletic, very competitive day. Right. Or you just do the same routine you normally do, which is burn out all of the energy your body has provided for you through noradrenaline and adrenaline in the first few minutes of the workout and then you have nothing left. And now you're hitting fatigue, which is an important recovery for your body to have. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, the other thing I wanted to mention is that there there was a study I read about crowd, the crowd. Mm. Because, and this study was written because at some major Olympic events, there were some pretty thin crowds in the last few years. Um, And there always are some events that there's going to be less people there. And they did some studies on athletes that were in those thinner crowds versus bigger crowds. And they found that having the crowd available to you um, can be really beneficial for like team sports or sports that don't require precision and accuracy. Mm. So like people, tons and pe- tons of people screaming in the stands can yeah. really help somebody who is a sprinter yeah. or like a basketball team but uh, or soccer maybe. But if it's somebody who's like an archer, mm-hmm. that could be really bad for them. <laughs> Everybody shut up. Yeah. So those people, and like for Olympic weightlifting, I know that's the case for sure because it requires so much accuracy and technique and precision. Mm. You definitely want to have some pump and you want to have some increased adrenaline, but if you're so if your adrenaline is so high that you are your body is unable to have precision you're going to miss the lift right and you're not going to or you're going to miss your shot so those people tend to train with more of a tune out the crowd attitude um and yeah that i that uh that idea about the crowd increasing your performance or just people around you increasing your performance has an actual name from sports psychology it's called social facilitation. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. And it really just depends on the type of sport, but it also depends on that person's level of experience with, with a crowd or with group support. Sure. 
So it can be helpful when you're training for an event that's going to have a crowd to tr- to do a practice event where there is a crowd or a group of people watching you. It even makes sense on a more like subtle level why group fitness can be motivating. Yes. Right? Because yep. even though it can be scary and maybe there is some adrenaline um, release when you're first starting group fitness or you're someone who's like, I don't like group fitness because people are looking at me. Even if they say they don't care, like they're looking at me. Yeah. But if you can get past that hurdle, then all of a sudden there is a motivation when someone is cheering you on and you know it's genuine and authentic. It does help you complete a workout. It definitely does. Um, There's one other thing I wanted to mention, which is that uh, one thing we, I'm sure, have all known about is like steroid use to help increase performance and and adrenaline output. So there might be, uh, like you could take an inhaler, for example, Mm -hmm. and like albuterol will increase your adrenaline temporarily. So there are there are supplements like that for athletes that are banned right. in sporting events because um, like someone who does the, the uh, cycling, pro- professional cycling, for example, might be interested in a, a supplement like that, right. some sort of do- doping. And steroids or yeah, hormones. To increase their adrenaline. Yep. But then, on the other hand, there is evidence that um, some some Olympic athletes or some athletes in precision sports will actually try to use some adrenaline blockers Mm. and that can have an effect on whether or not they are improved in their in like for example in marksmanship um so like if you're what's the one where you're shooting a gun and then running biathlon yeah that person might be more interested in adrenaline blocker where they have to be accurate uh which i'd never thought about for athletics before but Mm -hmm. that makes a lot of sense for someone who has to be very precise they might be interested in taking an adrenaline blocker and it it's not necessarily a beta blocker yeah it's not necessarily athletics but i think about people who have to be performing like a violinist or someone who has maybe a lot of stage fright and adrenaline rushes on i know people who or you know i know people who have taken that some sort of anxiety blocker yeah adrenaline blocker just to help them in the short term get through that thing that might be provoking adrenaline response that they're not able to manage control So, yeah, beta blockers, and the one mentioned in this article was propranol. Propranolol. Propranolol? Propranolol. Propranolol. Yeah. That's fun to say. I can't say a lot of words, but I can say that one. (laughs) (laughs) Propranolol. Propranolol. You did it. (laughs) So, my challenge for people who are listening is this. Well, it's two parts, actually. Because well, on the flip side, one thing we didn't talk about is athletes who who perp- who never, ever perform with adrenaline. So people who come in, and maybe they have adrenal fatigue, and that's the problem. But I think more often than not, there's a lot of people who come into the gym for the first time into an, a more athletic setting and have never had to tap into their adrenaline before yeah. and can't do it during a workout because mm-hmm. they don't have an emotional response to doing it. So I think my challenge goes two parts. If you're the type of person who seemingly never really gets out of breath in a workout you don't really push beyond what you expect you could do you finish and you feel fine but you didn't really like push yourself I want you to find that adrenaline point how hard do you have to push what kind of mental games do you have to play with yourself to make your heart beat faster before the workout starts to get a little bit of purposeful anxiety right before that three two one goes off and to try to maintain that throughout the workout and then on the flip side, if you tend to be somebody who goes hard, has a go hard or die mentality <laughs> or or tends to flop onto the floor and be totally dead at the end of a workout, 
I want you to play around with trying to manage that adrenaline output when you're working out. One of the ways I would recommend is through breathing. So what like one breathing technique like I'm having a few athletes do right now who I think have problems with managing adrenaline is like before you do your workout, lay on the floor on your belly and try to take a breath, full breath in on a five count, hold your breath for five seconds at the top mm-hmm. and then release for five. That's going to help slow your heart rate, make your body feel relaxed. We talked about that for before you eat. Yep trying to relax your body like that. So do that before you work out. And then as you're going through your workout, try to maintain breath through the nose, big belly breaths as you're working out. And then immediately when the workout is done, lay back in your belly and repeat that breathing exercise. Eventually, you might be able to have more breath control within your workout, which is is automatically going to help you control your adrenaline. Yeah. And if you can control your adrenaline, then just imagine what you can do when you let it fr- when you let it fly yeah, during a workout, yeah. during a an important event. Right. Yeah. You won't. Hopefully, I mean, you shouldn't spend every day just gasping for breath during your workout. No. That you're doing it wrong. Yeah. That and is not how like the top athletes <laughs> do it. <laughs> and I would say to a, a caveat to all that is, if you feel like you do have adrenal hypo or hyper function, maybe you're opting away from workouts where you're tapping into any of that so going for things that are lower and slower where you feel that utmost control over the adrenaline output because Mm -hmm. what are we looking at with adrenal hyper and hypofunction hypofunction you can't even get there um hyper is that you're kind of getting there all the time right so opt opt for other things that are going to cut your adrenals some slack if, the, if you're feeling like what I talked about earlier was speaking to you. Yeah, so play around with it a little bit. It's important. It's an important factor that we sort of imagine is out of our hands. Right. It's so in our hands. It's so in our hands. And mind, you mi- so have control. Mindfulness practices, a lot of what Hannah was saying with the deep breathing and just the um, the guided breathing, yep. that goes a long way too. And even when you're just stuck in a moment where suddenly your adrenaline is super spiked yeah. and, and you don't need it at the moment, Closing your eyes and slowing down your breathing is one of the first ways that you can help. Just making yeah. your body go into a rest state is yep. going to help you get away from that. And what what you were also saying way back in the beginning where you were like, yeah, when the adrenaline is flowing and the blood is going into your big muscles, you might feel tingly in your hands and feet. Another thing, at least helpful for me, is visualizing if you're noticing you're getting panicky is, okay, the deep breathing, but also... Where are my feet? Right. Where am I grounded? Can I feel my hands? Kind of checking in with the parts of your body that might be going cold. Right. So putting some, um, as much as that's part of like a, a process that is subconscious or not just not conscious, you can have some conscious control over mm-hmm. that. And then from from like an emotional perspective, or you know what, from my improviser perspective. <laughs> yeah. Adrenaline can be helpful because, as we talked about, it helps you access memory. It can make you sharp and quick. Mm-hmm. But over-adrenaline can make your mouth not work very well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So keep that in mind. If you're going into an emotional conversation with somebody and your adrenaline spikes too high, and I'm sure we've all experienced this, you're trying to say something, and the next <laughs> thing you know, you're just crying for no reason. <laughs> obviously. Or babbling. Yeah, or babbling. You're just like, Bleh. Yeah. Obviously, sometimes that just happens, but adrenaline plays a huge role in that because mm-hmm. your body is like holy crap Whoa. i need to survive this moment which feels like it could potentially alter my reality right um so having those breathing exercises there available for you before you go into that conversation and even maybe reusing using them same if you're someone who's really fearful of public speaking yeah if you let your adrenaline get too high it's just gonna be worse <laughs> 
it's just going to be worse. So it's okay to have a little nerves. It's important to feel that little extra uh, faster heartbeat or sometimes louder in yeah. your ears heartbeat. Yep. That's okay. But if you start to get to panic point, pull back. Right. Pull back. You can do it. I had a teacher too um, who talked about how when she was getting nervous because she would do a lot of corporate wellness events um, and she'd have to go present in front of a lot of like type A driven really smart people and she's like let's talk about nutrition she had a really great thing too where she was like you know when you're feeling that anxiousness and it's something that you've recognized you're feeling nervous she's like flip it on its head and recognize that you're excited about something your body's having a response because yes it's something that could be viewed negatively but you can also take that excitement and flip it and make it a little bit more positive and i've been doing that since she said that and it's it's awesome it's great that's great yeah it's good when you think about it so adrenals adrenals adrenaline (sighs) it's an important thing and guess what you have more control over it than you think sure do and if you're an athlete i think it's important for you to consider (laughs) how much control you have and when you exert that control yeah give it a thought Give it a thought and <laughs> give it a try. Play around with it. And then get some sleep. Please. God, please. Go to bed, America. Go to bed. That's what we beg of you. Turn your blue screens off. It'll Just be there in the morning. Don't use your computer after you come home from work. There's like literally no reason to do it. Yeah, you can unplug. You have every right to. Mm-hmm. Preach. Preach. <laughs> All right. Well, sleep. thank you for joining us, everybody. Thanks, everyone. Thank you to Taj, who is... You know, like the butterflies you get in your stomach from adrenaline, I get that when I'm around Taj. Yeah, sure do. She's so great. (laughs) Thanks for being such a great producer. And thanks, everyone, for um, listening. We always appreciate it. We're almost to episode 50. So, like, stick with us for the next five episodes. Celebration. Yeah, we'll have a little celebration. We'll celebrate, and you can just listen to us celebrating. (laughs) We'll probably ask you some questions in the moment. Yeah. So it'll be like one big party. Yeah, maybe we'll come up with something fun, like a giveaway. Yeah. I don't know. We'll come yeah. up with something good. So you better stay tuned. Yeah, stay tuned. <laughs> Share us with your friends, please. We'd appreciate it so much, especially your friends from a different state. Yeah. That would be awesome. Very cool. Um, and write us a review on iTunes. Until next time, we hope you have a very relaxing, restful, and f- and full of sleep week. Go take a nap. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs> Cast is produced by Taj Ruler. Subscribe on iTunes or visit sulcanacast.libsyn.com. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N.com for full episode information. You can also visit our website at sulcanafitness.com to stay up to date on everything health and fitness. Join in on the conversation over on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Sulcana CrossFit. See you there.